Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holliday. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man, The Lives of Harry Lyons. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyons. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. For those of you who know who saw the movie, The Third Man. Yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. Harry Lyme had many lives, and I can recount all of them. How do I know? Very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road, and those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of mystery, comes his most famous character and crime's most deadly enemy as we present... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe. Hello there, this is Diamond. You know this business I'm in can get pretty silly sometimes. I can go along for a whole month and get by on nothing but meals at the automat and a dozen laughs a day. The funny ones usually pay just as well as the tough ones, but eventually somebody starts something that's about as funny as an open grave. <laughs> Someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this small. OCR Diamond Detective Agency, anything for the home. Reconditioned V2 bombs, complete with built-in seat for your mother-in-law's next trip. Also a large stock of five-second hand grenades for the kiddies in the block. Oh, by the way, we have a special today. Oh, you have? Yes, with every five-ton purchase of dynamite, you get free of charge. You'll get one Richard Diamond, private detective. <laughs> hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to another edition of Movie Star Detectives and Richard Diamond, private detective, from March 12th, 1950. The episode is entitled The Joyce Wallace Case, and after that is The Lives of Harry Lyon from November 30th. 1951, the episode is entitled, Three Farthings for Your Thoughts. Now, a farthing is one quarter of a penny. So, three farthings would be three quarters of a penny. And you know the old American adage, a penny for your thoughts. Well, in this case, this person wants only to give you three quarters of a penny, not even a whole penny. For your thoughts. And after that is The Saint from March 20th, 1951. The episode is entitled Pin the Roses on My Corpse. A lovely title. And The Adventures of Philip Marlowe from February 5th, 1949. 
The episode is entitled The Long Rope and Box 13 from February 6th, 1948. The episode is entitled Haunted Artist. <clears throat> and we have from Abbott and Costello from 1948, September 23rd, Sam Shovel and the Fish Market Murder. Enjoy all these, and I'll see you all back here next week, God willing, and the creeks no rise, and if my voice holds out. presents Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Oh, calm down, baby. Take it easy. It's all right now. Hey, what's going on in here? We'll get a doctor to step on it. Yeah, okay. Joyce, Joyce. If you keep on like this, you'll end up sleeping in a cage. Joyce, will you shut up and listen to me? Okay, honey, sorry. Here's another exciting half hour with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Diamond Detective Agency, anything for the home, reconditioned V2 bombs, complete with built-in seat for your mother-in-law's next trip. Also a large stock of five-second hand grenades for the kiddies in the block. Rick. Oh, by the way, we have a special today. Oh, you have? Yes, with every five-ton purchase of dynamite, you get free of charge a nifty nitro tank destroyer kit. Oh, that's nice. Great for parties. Plant one in your driveway and give your relatives that extra lift. Richard Diamond. Yes? Oh, you're terrible. Oh, now you only say that because you're an authority on the subject. It's a wonder you ever get any clients. Oh, honey, maybe I've been trying too hard. This week, clients have been as scarce as lobsters on the Sahara. Oh, no business at all. Helen, if a client walked in now, I'd probably fall off the chair. Mr. Diamond. Oh, my goodness. Rick! Rick! Just being as good as my word, dear. Can I give you a hand? No. What else do you want to get rid of? Rick, what happened? Oh, someone just walked in. And you fell? Yeah, right on my... Uh, 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 Rick? I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. What can I do for you, dear? Well, my name is Joyce Wallace. I want to hire you. How do you do, Miss Wallace? Why, why do you want to hire me? Because someone tried to kill me. Mm, how? I was sitting in my living room. Someone took a shot at me through the window. Your uh, new play opened last week, didn't it? Ah. <laughs> you know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I, uh, I remember a number you did in tights. You've got a pretty face, too. But thank you. Have you uh, uh, gone to the police? No. Well, baby, if someone's out gunning for you, the, the law's your best bet. I, I think you'd better go see them. I can't. Uh, all right, then tell me about it. Well, as you know, I'm an actress. Mm-hmm. If this got out, it would be all over the papers by tomorrow. You've had publicity before. Certainly, and some of it's been very bad. But this time, I can't afford bad publicity. Oh, well, go on. You see, my husband and I have separated. I'm trying to retain custody of our child. And the courts wouldn't like you getting shot at. But it's my husband... We'll try just about anything to get the child away from me. You're uh, married to Barton Webb. Mm, the playwright. Mm-hmm. 
Huh? Maybe he was the one who took the shot at you. I've thought about that, but it's a little hard to believe. Why? Well, we've had a fairly decent relationship up till six months ago. Honey, I've known guys who got mad and slit their wives' throats all in a matter of an hour or so. It doesn't take six months to build up to a shooting. Well, that's why I want to hire you. I want you to find out. Can you uh, think of anyone else who might like you better at the morgue? Well, I, I have people who don't like me, certainly. Certainly. Why do you agree so quickly? Sweetheart, look. It stands to reason that half the women who know you would dislike you just because, well, uh, well let's say your bathing suits have an advantage. Ah, uh-huh. oh, nice. What about the other half? Oh, probably like their husbands in a vault after six in the evening. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take the job, we'll probably spend a lot of time together. Dear, I've got claustrophobia. If I get nervous, I'll just run my head into a wall or something. You're hired. You're jumping the gun. I get a hundred a day in expenses. I have a check. I'll take it. There you are. I certainly am. Well, let's go. Where to? Your apartment. I uh, want to look for the bullet. Good. We can have a drink. Well, it, uh, it's a little early, but I could use something cool. Uh, are you warm? I think so. I've smoked three cigarettes while we've been talking and haven't lighted one match. We left the office then with Joyce Wallace in the lead. I followed her down the hall into the elevator, down to the first floor, where I bought some seasick pills and decided it was better to walk alongside of her. We grabbed a cab, and 20 minutes later, I was standing on a foot-thick carpet surrounded by a very cozy apartment. Cozy. That means $25,000 worth of furniture that you'd never look at when George Wallace is in the room. You like it? Oh, but yes, yes. Tell me, when did uh, Mata Hari go in for decorating? <laughs> Would you like to see where the bullet came through the window? Mm-hmm. Well, it's right over here. See? Yeah. Mr. Diamond. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the bullet. Uh, oh, oh, right through the window. Hmm? I was standing over there by the sofa when I heard the shot. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Well, I'm uh, looking for the bullet. It's got to be around here someplace, unless you've already found it. Oh, I know. I never even thought to look. Well, it should be in this wall somewhere. I'll fix us that drink while you're looking. Take your time. What do you like? Oh, any old thing with I... Hey, wait a minute. You don't know any midgets, do you? Whatever do you mean? Mind if I stand on this chair? Go ahead. Oh, I see it. The bullet up there by the ceiling. Yeah, that's what I meant about knowing a, a midget. Your window's right on the street. If an average man pointed the gun, he was either down on his knees or he was a pretty lousy shot. Can you pry it out? Yeah. I got it. Uh-huh. There you are. What are you going to do with it? I'll run it down to the 5th precinct and have ballistics check on it. That means you're going to see the police? Well, honey, what else can I do? I don't think the Boy Scouts are equipped for that sort of thing. I told you I don't want the police brought in on this. Oh, they won't be. I've got a few friends who will do the job, and that's that. Oh. Well, how about that drink? Oh, I'll take a rain check for later. Well, it's 4.30 now. I'll be at the theater at 6. If I don't get get back here to you, I'll, I'll see you at the theater. Well, it's the Strand. I'll leave word with the doorman. Uh, tell me, uh, dear, you, uh, you don't do another number in tights, do you? Well, no. Why? Oh, it's uh, just as well. Last time, my blood pressure went up so high, some guy sitting right behind me got an idea for a new pressure cooker and made a fortune. <laughs> I'll see you later, dear. She walked me to the door and said something about all work and no play, and then she stood on her toes and kissed me on the forehead. The kiss was effective, all right. When I finally found my way down the hall, I knew just how the first cow in Texas felt right after being branded. I got out into the fresh air, 
gulped a couple of lungs full, grabbed a cab, and a few minutes later, I was walking into the squad room of the 5th Precinct Police Station. Well, good afternoon, Uh, Sergeant. Oh, what do you want, Shamus? What do you want, Shamus? Oh, Otis, why don't you be happy? Conform. The worst has happened. They'll never send you back to the jungle. The lieutenant in? Yeah, go ahead. Thanks, Sporty. No, uh, Otis. Yeah, what is it? When are you going to get a haircut? What's the matter with my hair? Looks like a mountain lion's been sleeping in it. <laughs> Hello, Walt. Why don't you leave him alone, Rick? He's used to it. It'd drive him out of his mind if I walked in someday and didn't say a word. It would? Probably. Why don't you try it? Oh, you're as bad as I am. That's a horrible thing to say to me. And by the way, what are you doing down here, Rick? What's going on? I want a ballistics check on this bullet. Oh, you do, huh? Where'd you get it? What? That bullet. Well, what do you want to know for? Because I think you're trying to hide something. Now, why would I do that, Walt? Because that's the way you operate. Now, where did you get that bullet? What bullet? Now, you stop that. That bullet you got in your hand, that one right there. This one? Yes, that one. What about it? Where'd it come from? You want to know? Of course I want to know. Well, who can tell you better about a bullet than ballistics? Yeah. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Get in here. What are you going to do? Find out about that bullet. Mm. Uh, You wanted me, Lieutenant? No. I just wondered if you guessed who it was on my private line. Take this bullet down to ballistics and bring me the report. Uh, Right. Uh, Thanks, Walt. I'll check with you later. Now, you wait a minute. There was something I was going to ask you. Yes? Well, I'll think of it later. Something about the bullet, Walt? Yeah, that was... I let Walt chase me as far as the street, then I grabbed another cab and headed for my own apartment. It was about five o'clock, so I cooked up a short meal, climbed into a shower and my other suit. At six o'clock, I was at the Strand Theater, talking with the doorman. Say, your name's Diamond? Yeah, that's right, Pop. Well, Miss Wallace had to show you right back, but I don't know whether this is a very good time or not. Well, she said six o'clock. It's six now, Pop. Yeah, but she's got a visitor. Oh, oh. Well, come on, I'll show you anyway. Her dressing room is right down this way. Well, my dear, you may just catch to anywhere. Oh, yes, you see what I mean, husband? Yep. You just get out of here. You still want to go in? I think so. You're just trying to upset me. I want to settle this thing once and for all. Good luck. Thanks, Pop. Well, I don't care. I'm just going to go ahead with my plans. You better answer the door, darling. Give your tonsils a rest. Hello, Joyce. Oh, come in, Mr. Diamond. Oh, He's a new one, isn't he? This is Mr. Diamond, and I have some business I want to talk over with him. Alone. Well, anyway, you look at him. It certainly would be foolish for me to argue the point. I suppose you chin yourself regularly, Mr. Diamond? Chins are a hobby with me, Mr. Webb. I've come in contact with several in the past. A wit. Muscles and wit. This is a new achievement for you, dear. Please get out of here, Bart. Now. Good evening, Mr. Diamond. I will say that you are more of a presentable specimen than the others. You're somewhat of a specimen yourself, Mr. Webb. Hmm. Another time, Mr. Diamond. Good evening. He just won't leave me alone. Did you tell him about someone trying to take a shot at you? Well, of course not. He'd go right to the papers. It's just what he's looking for. Oh, no. I'll get it. I see you made it all right. Hello, Pop. Who is it? Package for you, Miss Wallace. Oh, Thanks, Pop. Will you take it, Mr. Diamond? Uh, sure thing. Thanks. Oh, well, flowers. Flowers? Oh. oh, this is his idea of a joke. Upset me so I can hardly go on, then a few seconds later his flowers arrive. Biting's flowers? Yes. Sends me yellow roses every Monday. There. Look out! Ah, snake! 
Get back. Oh, it's crawling out. <laughs> All right. All right, it's okay. Now, he's dead. Honey, honey, calm down. Hey, what's going on here? Call a doctor, Pop. What's the shooting all about? Well, you get out of here and call a doctor. Go on. Hey, okay. Hey, ain't that a snake? No, it's an eccentric spaghetti. Now, get that doctor. <laughs> Joyce, you've got to take it easy. The snake's dead. Now, calm down, it's baby. A snake, a snake. You keep on like this, you'll end up sleeping in a cave. Oh. Joyce, will you shut up and listen to me? Okay, honey, sorry. Like I said... Sorry, but it's better if you sleep it off. I don't usually like to belt women, but this was one of those times when a case of nerves had to be turned off in a hurry. Like a leaky faucet, pretty soon the tub runs over and something gets rusted. I caught her as she went down, picked her up, carried her over to the couch, and then I left her that way until the doctor arrived. Oh, no wonder she went off like that. I'd probably end up walking on my hands if somebody sent me a snake. I think maybe I hit her a little hard. Best thing you could have done under the circumstances. She's, uh, she's coming out of it. I'll give her a mild sedative, calm her down. She'll be all right now after the initial shock has worn off. Uh, Joyce, how do you feel? Well, you bully. Had to do it. Think you'll be all right now, Miss Wallace? Who are you? A doctor. He's going to give you something to make you rest. He's not going to hit me, too, is he? Oh, no, just a mild sedative. Calm you down. Make you feel better. Thank you, but I don't need anything. I'll be all right. Besides, I've got a show to do. Whatever you say. You're uh, sure it wouldn't be better? Where's the snake? Oh, dear. Pop, Pop just took it out. Oh. Let me sit up. I'm all right. Right in here, Captain. Lieutenant. Everybody duck. Aha! Aha! I might have known it. You might have, but you've still got your sergeant around to keep you out of stupor. Oh, he's picking on me again, Lieutenant. Look, what in the world is going on here? The law has landed, Joyce. This is good Lieutenant Levinson. Walt, Miss Joyce Wallace. Oh, they must be here about the snake. Yeah, I called him, Miss Wallace. Who's this guy? Oh, this guy's a doctor, Walt. I'm just leaving, Lieutenant. Miss Wallace seems to be all right now. All right, Doctor. Otis, take him out in the hall. Get his name and address in case we want to talk to him. All right, Lieutenant. Well, goodbye, Miss Wallace. You just try and relax. Yes, uh, thank you, Doctor. All right, Rick. Now, what the devil's going on here? We get a call from the doorman. There's a snake loose in Miss Wallace's dressing room that someone's been doing some shooting. Oh, well, snake was loose. I shot it. Th- that's right, Lieutenant. It's as simple as that. Oh, it's as simple as that. How'd the snake get in here? Oh, maybe he was one of her fans. Now, you stop that. You find out about that bullet? Yes, I found out about that bullet. Fired from a Mauser twenty-five, And that's another thing uh, I want to... Lieutenant, there's really nothing to worry about. A snake got into my dressing room, Mr. Diamond shot it, and uh, that's all. Miss Wallace, how does a snake get backstage and into a dressing room? Well, now, let's see. If I was a snake... All right, all right. I looked at the snake. It wasn't poisonous, so I guess it doesn't make much difference. It wasn't poisonous? No, Red Heart, just a widow old gopher snake. Mm. Now, what about that bullet you had me analyze? Just part of a case I'm uh, working on. I'll, uh... I'll tell you about it later. Nothing to do with Miss Wallace, I suppose? No connection with the snake at all? None whatsoever, Lieutenant. Is this the box the snake came in? Yeah. I'll check with the florist. Yeah, I'll do that, will you? And let me know what you find out. All right, but Diamond, so help me. If somebody gets killed, I'm going to hold you for... for... for complicity. I bet you can't say it again. Say what? Complicity. Complicity. You never know. Thank you for not telling him anything, Mr. Diamond. Well, there wasn't much to tell. Maybe you'd better help me out, though. Any idea why someone would send you a non-poisonous snake? Well, certainly I have a deathly fear of them, any kind of snake. How many people know about this? 
My husband. Anyone else? No one. I've never told anyone. You see, I was bitten by a snake when I was a little girl in Wyoming. I never got over it. Well, someone must have known about it then. My family and a doctor. They're all dead now. All right, all right. I'm, I'm going to leave for a while. Think you'll be all right for the show? Oh, certainly. I have a little time before curtain. Oh, uh, by the way, what's your husband's address? 559 East Park. Why? Well, I'm going over to see him. Find out what kind of presents he's in the habit of sending. You should be in mourning, Mr. Webb. I just killed a friend of yours. What? Maybe you better let me in. Well, if you're running around exterminating my friends, maybe I'd just better call the police. Yeah, why don't you do that? Now I'm coming in. I hardly see... Oh, yes. Well, you're in. Can I get you a drink, Mr. Diamond? I haven't got much time. I want a few answers. Well, at least take your hat off. I don't like being intimidated, but if I must be subjected to your roughhouse tactics... I prefer you to be polite. If I get the right answers, I'll be so polite, I'll even apologize when I break your leg. I really think I'd better call the police. Did you send your wife a snake? Has Joyce taken up the bottle? Which leg do you want me to start on? No, no, don't be ridiculous. Of course, I didn't send my wife a snake. Did you send her flowers? Yellow roses. I have a standing order with the florist every Monday night. Well, this Monday, there was a snake in them. You're serious. How do I look? Well, that is a very provocative question. Look, Buster, let's but not... Good grief. If someone did send Joyce a snake, she must be in a complete state of hysterics. She hates them. Do you own a Mauser 25, Mr. Webb? Why, yes. How did you know that? I didn't. Can I see it? No, as, as a matter of fact, it disappeared a couple of days ago. That's a little thin. Mr. Diamond, I assure you that if I could show you the gun, I would be most happy to. Loaded and pointing right at your overdeveloped chest. You say it disappeared a couple of days ago, hmm? Sure about that? Of course. I kept it in my bureau drawer. When I got up in the morning, it was there, and that evening I went to get a handkerchief and the gun was gone. Nothing else moved? No indication of robbery? No. Who has a key to the apartment besides yourself? Your wife? Mr. Diamond, a moment ago you told me someone had set my wife a snake. I mentioned that she must be in a complete state of hysterics. Then you start this ridiculous questioning about my missing gun. Now, if my wife was hysterical, by now she's probably looking for the top of her head. Now, get out of my way. Hey, where do you think you're going? My wife and I may have our differences, Mr. Diamond, but unfortunately for me, I still love her. Oh? And if you ever tell her I said so, muscles or no, I shall assert myself and beat your head off. Oh, relax. She's all right. She's probably doing her show right now. Nevertheless, I'll thank you to remove your oversized hulk and let me go to her. Someone also took a shot at her. What? Well, now I am going to the police. She thinks you did it in order to gain custody of the child. Well, she certainly deserves to think so. I'm not exactly an easy person to live with. Now, please. If this gets to the papers, Mr. Webb... You have my word. Now, one more question. Did you ever tell anyone about your wife's fear of snakes? Positively not. Oh. Mind if I make a phone call? If you like. You admit sending your wife the yellow roses? I admit sending my wife some yellow roses. I deny having anything to do with the snake. Homicide, Lieutenant Levinson. What'd you find out about the flowers, Walt? Husband sent them, a Mr. Barton Webb. Oh, oh, I'm with him right now. Good for you. But there's no possible way he could have gotten a snake in that box. The flowers were sent over by a messenger. The snake had to be put in between the stage door and her dressing room. Well, Pop, the doorman, brought him in. Maybe he did it. I'm going down to question him. Oh, uh, okay, Walt, okay. I'll keep in touch. Please do that. I couldn't stand it if everything suddenly started to work normally. Well... 
Did you find out how I put the snake in the box, Mr. Diamond? No, but I'm still interested. I'll get it. Yes? Well, hello. Yes. Yes, dear. All right, I'll be right over. Leaving? Unless you'd care to wrestle. Stay as long as you like, though. Uh, Pour yourself a drink. The poison is in the red decanter. You know, the poison was in the red decanter. I stood there a minute, getting that lousy feeling again. The logical person to have fired the shot and sent the snake was Barton Webb. But my instinct said no. I remembered Walt had said he was going over to question Pop the doorman at the theater, so I took off fast in the hope of beating him there. The theater was only four blocks away, so I ran it. Well, hello there, Mr. Diamond. Hey, Pop, uh, the law's on the way over here to pick you up. Yeah, for what? Well, they think maybe you put that snake in the box of flowers. Well, I didn't, and they're going to have a hard time proving anything else. Tell me, what did the guy look like who delivered the box? Young kid. Wearing a uniform? No, just looked like one of the kids in the block. Matter of fact, I thought it was kind of funny, a kid like that delivering for a fancy florist. The fellow who delivered the other box was all get up in a nice blue outfit. Mm, what other box? Came right after you left. Looked like it was from the same florist. Thanks, Pop. Is Miss Wallace on stage now? No. She ain't in her dressing room either. Her understudy take her place? Yep. Miss Wallace didn't think she could go on. How did you know that? I'll see you later, Pop. I want to know where... Oh, no. Hello, Walt. Oh, no. Bye, Walt. Oh, no. Well, I tore it right down the middle. I left the theater, headed across town in a hurry. I started adding things up. Webb owned a Mauser 25, but it was missing. A Mauser 25 had been used to take a shot at Joyce. Webb always sent yellow roses on Monday night. Yellow roses had come and there'd been a snake in them. Something that Joyce had feared and only one other living person besides herself supposedly knew about her fear. Two boxes of flowers had arrived at the theater. Webb openly admitted sending one bunch. Suddenly everything was tying together, even a motive. Thanks, Gabby. Keep the change. Hi, right, thanks. You've ruined the door. He was going to kill me. Was he? Of course I was. Pardon? Well, wasn't he, baby? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Of course. Good evening, Mr. Diamond. Looks to me like Joyce had the gun. Well, I, I was trying to protect myself. He threatened to kill me. It runs in the family. Instead of an anniversary, we have a funeral. The Webbs have always killed their wives. An old custom thought Barton. up by my great-grandfather. Barton, shut up! This gun is a Mauser 25. What did you expect? A crossbow? Who does it belong to? Me. me. You told me your gun was swiped a couple of days ago, Barton. Once I explained to a drama critic that my only claim to fame was talent. Don't listen to him, Mr. Diamond. That's my gun. It's mine and I can prove it. And you were the one who shot at Joyce from outside the window? Naturally. Which window did you shoot through? 
What? No, which? Which window? Quick. Why, uh, well, how do I know which window? I did it in such a hurry. Where was Joyce standing? You must remember that. I refuse to answer you. These questions are completely ridiculous. Then if you did take a shot at her, you also sent her the snake. Oh, stop it. Stop it, both of you. Well, he did, didn't he? Of course I did. Martin, why in the world do you stand there and admit these things? Well, why not, my dear? I should think you might at least be grateful. Grateful? Oh, I know you better than that, Martin Webb. You've got some crummy scheme up your sleeve. Crummy? Crummy? Oh, swell. Despicable. Uh, despicable, that's what I meant. You you have some pest to go. Despi- well, if you're going to be on, then at least read your line slowly. Slowly, do you hear? Slowly! Despicable! Both of you, shut up. You admit sending the snake button? Yes, I do. He does not. I most certainly do. You're a liar. What? Yes, yes, he's a liar, Mr. Diamond. I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Joyce! No, 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 I'll tell you. You came to me because you said someone was trying to kill you. Shot at you through a window. Maybe Barton. Of course, I told you. Oh, shut up. Then a snake arrives in a box of flowers. Looks like Barton sent that too. I did? You did like the devil. Two boxes of flowers came to the theater tonight. One of them was yours, Barton. The other one you sent yourself, Joyce. You put a snake in it and had some kid deliver it. I, I did? Yes, and another thing. Barton left me in his apartment a good 20 minutes ago. If he was going to kill you, he'd certainly have done it by now. The webs are naturally lazy. You took his gun a few days ago, Joyce. You called him and told him to meet you here, hoping I'd follow. Uh, Then you were going to make it look like he'd attempted to kill you. Oh! Joyce, darling, darling. I swear, Diamond, that at the first opportunity, I'm going to start working out at a reputable gym, and eventually I shall engage you in physical combat. No, no, he's right. Mr. Diamond, you're right. Yes, and the motive. You were afraid he was going to take away the one thing you loved, your child. Barton, why didn't you just come right out and tell him? Why did you admit to something that wasn't at all at so? My motive will not be discussed. Oh, the little brain was feeling a twinge of conscience. Pretty noble, too. He was willing to take the rap for all the trouble he'd given you in the past. But... Well, it was really nothing. He's still in love with you, Joyce. What? Yeah, and I think you two better sit down and talk it over. Believe me, you deserve each other. Oh. Yes, <laughs> there, darling. There, there. No, you're going to get in a lot of trouble for this. But I'll straighten it out with the law. Oh, Mr. Diamond, how can I ever thank you? By George. You know, you're not such a bad fellow after all. Look, let's get something straight right now. I've been made a patsy and my feelings are hurt. I may not get over it until I get a big, fat bonus in the mail. No later than tomorrow. Muscular, witty, and to top it off, a businessman. Mr. Diamond, I think you have a future. <laughs> What's that you're playing, Rick? Oh, it's a new song, dear. What's it from? Show that opened last week. Oh, the one your client is in? Mm Mm-hmm. She does it in one of those real tight evening gowns. You know the type. Mm Mm-hmm. And so do you. Well, it's a pretty song. Let me hear it. Okay. Well, 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 look who's here. I haven't seen you in many a year. If I knew you were coming, I'd have baked the cake. Baked the cake. Baked a cake If I knew you were coming I'd have baked a cake How'd you do, how'd you do, how'd you do Had you dropped me a letter I'd have hired a band Grandest band in the land Had you dropped me a letter I'd have hired a band And spread the welcome mat for you Now I don't know where you came from Cause I don't know where you've been But it really doesn't matter. Grab a chair and fill your platter and dig, dig, dig right in. 
If I knew you were coming out of Mexican, hired a band, goodness sake. If I knew you were coming out of Mexican, how'd you do, how'd you do, how'd you do? Now I don't know where you came from, cause I don't know where you've been. But it really doesn't matter, grab a chair and fill your platter and dig, 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 run in. If I knew you were coming out of Mexican, hired a band. Goodness sake, if I knew you were coming, I'd have baked a cake. How'd you do, how'd you do, how'd you do? Oh, how'd you do, how'd you do, how'd you do? Well, honey, how'd you like that? Well, I don't know why she has to sing that in an evening gown. Well, she doesn't have a very good voice, dear. Rick, I can't sing at all. Sweetheart, you could come on in a tent doing 12 courses of Down in the Cane Break and the critics would lock Joyce Wallace in the zoo. Do you really think so? Let's go buy a tent. Oh, Rick, don't be silly. I couldn't wear a tent. Well, you could try. If it doesn't work, I know a camping spot in the Catskill. Oh, Rick. Uh, thrifty diamond. Yes, I know. Never, Never waste, waste a, a good, good tent. tent. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Ed Begley played Lieutenant Walt Levinson. Also in the cast were Wilms Herbert, Francis Robinson, Clark Gordon, Joan Banks, Jack Crucian, and Charles Seal. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Today's show was written by Blake Edwards and directed by Russell Hughes. Dick Powell currently may be seen in the motion picture version of the best-selling novel, Mrs. Mike. This is Eddie King inviting you to be with us next Sunday at this same time when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. What's on NBC today? Later today, you'll hear Thornton Wilder's prize-winning play, Our Town, on Theater Guild on the Air. Today's Theater Guild production stars Elizabeth Taylor and Walter Houston. And for comedy, be sure to tune for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Sunday on NBC is filled with entertainment, so keep tuned here. Next, hear James Melton and Harvest of Stars on NBC. Orson Welles as The Third Man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karras. in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man, yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. No. He had many lives. I can tell you about all of them. How? 
because my name is Harry Lyman. I have in my hand here a farthing. This is the smallest of small coins. In England, which is where they come from, a farthing won't buy you the second section of day before yesterday's newspaper. In fact, you could hardly describe a farthing as money at all. Once upon a time, however, there was a farthing that was worth 20,000 pounds. It happened this way. You see, I have a girlfriend, beautiful and mad as the moon, called Lady Fortune. Well, on fairly intimate terms, the lady and I, I know her by her maiden name, Miss Fortune. She had a lot to do with the particular farthing I've been talking about. I haven't forgiven her yet, but I think it's mutual. Stick around if you're interested. I'll tell you about it. and put the money on this table. Step forward quickly. Come on, one at a time. All right. Here you are. A bad test here for robbing the poor. No, you can keep the paper money. All I want are the coins. What do you mean? Can I keep the poor? I said only the coins. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Bartender, empty your cash register. You'll be sorry, You'll lady. be sorrier if you don't do as I say. There it is. You're next, mister. Oh, yes, indeed. I'll be glad to contribute. If anyone tries to follow me, I'll shoot him. Stay where you are. None of you were really robbed. Just a few coins. It's that woman's doubt. Coming here asking me to give her all the farthings. I told her she was crazy and she gave me the gun. The things that go on in this pub, I could write a book. I could. Ah, don't know what this world's coming to. We used to have fine upstanding robberies. I know even the crooks are neurotic. How much do I owe you, bartender? Five bob. Here you are. I've no change. I'll roll them for double or nothing. All right. Here are the cubes. Anything over seven, you win. Okay. Hmm, number seems to be twelve. Thank you for your hospitality, and good evening to you all. 
I suddenly remembered who that woman was. Bill Barrett's wife, Helen. Barrett was just sent up for a long stretch in prison. He'd robbed a bank, gotten away with a big haul, 20,000 pounds, I think it was. Never did find the money. There was nothing crazy about Helen. She was up to something. I felt that I ought to be a participant. I called up a friend, got her address. Who's there? It's all right. It's Harry. Harry? I don't know you. I'm a friend of Bill's. I don't know you. Harry Lyme. You didn't recognize me at the pub, Helen? Yes. I saw you there. Well, what are you up to? Nothing. Collecting farthings to while away the time while Bill's in prison? It's really none of your business. Well, you never get the money back if you try to do this yourself. How do you know it had to do with money? Look, Helen, you need help. Cut me in for a, a quarter, and I'll do the work for you. Well, uh, I don't know. Suit yourself. I have another deal. I don't know whether Bill would like He's it. in jail. Can't do anything. I'm out here free as a bird. You're talking to the most experienced and clever man in the business. Yes or no? All right. Okay. Now, brief me on this farthing kick. Well, Bill sent me a letter with a couple of farthings in it. Hmm. It's a puzzle to me. Here's the letter. Go and you read it. Dearest Helen, here are three farthings which I promised sweet little Daphne. Please tell Uncle Ned to write me. I love you and wait eagerly for you to visit me. Love, Bill. P.S. Yesterday I wrote a new arrangement for the orchestra. We played some of Beethoven's piano pieces. We've no niece named Daphne. Where are the three farthings? There were only two in the letter. Well, where, are they, where are the two? The maid who worked for me stole my purse with all my coins. I traced her to the post. Did you get I any thought of... they might be in the till or someone's pocket, you know, given an exchange. Yes, but did you get any of the farthings back? No. Well, what about the other part of the letter, about Beethoven, the orchestra? I don't think it means anything. You know Bill used to be a composer before he went into yeah. the business. Where's the maid live? I don't know. She doesn't live at the address she gave me, but I traced her to the pub. The bartender knows her. Her name's Lily. The coins are probably a clue to where the money's hidden. He only sent you two of the three coins. That, that's very queer. Helen, I'll be back in a few hours. Just one more thing. What happened to his partner, in the, the bank robbery? You mean Johnny Baxter? Yes. He's been here a couple of times threatening me, wanting to know where the money's hidden. Well, that's good. Doesn't know where it is either. I'm sure Bill isn't going to let him know. He sure isn't. They hate each other. Baxter is a dirty double-crosser. Sure, sure, I know him. Can't be trusted. Where are you going? Well, I've just developed a new hobby, Helen, old girl. There's a wonderful big word for it. Numismatics, I think. It means a collector of coins. I'm going out collecting coins. See you soon. Before I went to look up Lily, the thieving maid, I paid a visit to prison. Now, I have an instinctive dislike for this barbaric social institution, but business is business. If they didn't know me in Liverpool, I wouldn't have any trouble. You say you're from the Overland Bank Insurance, Mr. Lyon. Yes, Governor. I wonder if I may see Mr. Barrett. Why? We insure the bank for robberies, you know, and just a few formal questions for our record. Uh, necessary. Sorry, but I, I don't think it's possible. Well, I've been an investigator for many years. This is the first time I've ever, ever been denied. You are not being denied communication with the prisoner. I don't understand. You'll understand all right, Mr. Lyme, when I tell you William Barrett has escaped. 
Escaped? Just about an hour ago. Well, well, I must say this is a rather slipshod way of running a penal institution. It'll tell you where to reach me. I understand. Barrett will be sure to be in hiding for several weeks. But my fondest hope to recover the bank money long before then. In my arithmetic, one quarter of 20,000 is uh, 20,000. I went back to the pub and spoke to the bartender. Ten-pound note, and he was my friend for life. I still might need Helen, so I gave him my hotel address. He also told me where I could find Lily, the housemaid. Quite a wench, nice and blonde and very frightened. She didn't look a bit like a housemaid. The room was richly furnished, and she was dressed in an extremely elegant red silk robe. There must be some mistake. You are Lily Johnson? Uh, that's my name. You work for Mrs. Barrett? Mrs. Barrett? Yes, that's what I said. Oh, uh, yes, she's someone I met. You were her housemaid? Yes. How do you manage to keep up a place like this on the salary of a housemaid? It's a friend's apartment. Don't you mean John Baxter? I had nothing to do with the robbery, believe he me. He sent you to work for Mrs. Barrett. You read the letter and stole the farthings. Give me your handbag. There's nothing in Give there. Give it to me. Ah, what have we here? Lipstick, compact, perfume. It is a farthing. Now, where's the other? Mrs. Barrett must still have the other. Really? For once, I think you're telling the truth. I'm going to let you go, Lily. You're just lucky I have a weakness for blonde. I hurried out, the farthing in my pocket. It was late now, and I wanted to get out of that neighborhood and fast. It was deserted, no cab in sight. I knew I was being tailed. I turned a corner and caught a quick flash of two men. I quickly threw the farthing in a garbage can. And I tried to make a run for it. It's no good struggling, Lime. Oh, you got your... All right, Lime, give it up. All right. What's up, boys? Where's the farthing? I threw it away. You threw it away, eh? All right. Now, where is it? Mm. You know, you fellas can be arrested for assault. Empty your pocket. Okay. okay. Let me see. A couple of halfpennies, half crown and a shilling. He's hiding it. Let's drag him in this hallway where we can search him. No, no, wait a minute. Shoulders. No. Just a minute, Just please. Just a minute, nothing. Give my taste to the blackjack belt. We've got work to do. But, but now... Returns in just a moment as the third man.
Orson Welles as the third man continues. I came to about an hour later in a dark, dank hallway off the street. My clothes were all ripped up and strewn about. I staggered to my feet, got into my clothes, and then went out to find the garbage can where I'd thrown the farthing. I found it, lying on a discarded newspaper, put it in my pocket, went back to my hotel. Helen. I've been waiting here for two hours. Oh, I ran into a, a few people who detained me, as you can see here, don't you? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's wrong, Helen? I found Bill. Where? Near the waterfront. Oh, that's too bad. I'll have a couple of years to a sentence. <laughs> they can't do anything to him anymore. What do you mean? He, he was shot in the chest. Dead? Yes. Too bad, honey. Settled our partnership. You're quitting? Yes, what I'm doing. Why? Well, they'll suspect me as soon as the police find I'm not an insurance investigator. I don't know what you mean. I'm getting out of Liverpool, Helen. I've got to. You're going to leave me? I'm going to leave you, yes. You can say that again. Oh, I lied to you, Harry. Okay, you lied to me. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to change my clothes and catch a plane to London. Uh, did, did you find the other father? Yes, I managed to get it and keep it. I have the other one. I know. I, I, I didn't trust you. But now that Bill's gone... You're willing to go half with me? Yes, Harry. Uh, but, Helen, you forget. Uh, I've resigned from this partnership. <gasps> Here is the farthing. Hmm. Nothing very unusual about it, except that two numbers of the date in 1941 are scratched. That's nine and the four, see? That's right. Uh, I would never have noticed it. Let's take a look at my farthing. Nothing on this side. On the obverse, the tail of the bird is scratched. Also, two letters in farthing, the A and the R. Put them together and it's Taylor. Taylor, that's oh. it. 94 Taylor, 94 Taylor Street. Oh, if we only have the missing coin. Oh, we have the address. And maybe we could take a quick look at it. There's no plane leaving until tomorrow anyway. Well, it might be worth a try. Uh, the money's in the house. Know anyone at that address? It sounds familiar. Think hard. Uh, I... I can't remember. Well, there's nothing to do but pay a visit to 94 Taylor Street. Two farthings could just possibly add up to 20,000 pounds. Stop here, driver. Okay. Okay, Alan. Here you are. This isn't 94. Mm, I know. I'd rather walk up to it, sir. Very dark. Mm, the darker, the better. I don't remember the street. Maybe we figured it wrong. Mm, maybe, maybe. Look, if you want to go home, Helen, after all, you've had a very tough day. I'll take my chances. You don't trust me, huh? I didn't mean that. If we get the money, we we can go off to Italy or some place. I'm right? afraid that wouldn't be such a very, very good idea. Why? You don't like me? Helen, how can you say that? 
I liked you from the first, but very, very unhealthy for you and I to be traveling together. Don't forget you have to be the wife of a murdered prisoner. Right. Here we are. You recognize the house? No. The number's familiar, but Bill operated from a number of places which he talked about, but I, I never saw hmm. Single family dwelling, well-to-do people, I think. Yeah. The windows are boarded up. No one seems to be living in the house. That's all to the good. How are we going to get in? I have a couple of skeleton keys. We have anything to carry around. You keep a sharp watch while I work on the door. Hmm? Oh, hurry. Helen, why don't you go home? I'll get in touch with you. I'm staying with you. Okay. Well, I'm going to have trouble with this door. Wait. What's the matter? I thought I heard someone inside. I don't hear anything. Oh, it must have been my imagination. Kid, this isn't a profession for imaginative people. Oh, I'm sorry, Harry. to be the drawing room. Here's the light switch. Stay where you are. <gasps> Sorry to have busted in on you. I guess we're in the wrong house. And your little blonde housemaid. Well, we're all together now. Stand up against that wall. Both of you. As you say, Baxter. You killed Bill. Against the wall, Helen. You'll hang for this, you will. You do as I say, or you'll join your double-crossing husband. Okay, we haven't got the money. You might as well let us go. If you make another move, I'll kill you. Don't bother, old man. I'm not moving. Now. Now, tell me where it's hidden. I wish I could, but I, I don't know. I don't believe you. That's the trouble with people in our line of business. Nobody believes anybody else. Come on, come on. Where is it? Believe me, I don't know. We came here to find it. How did you know it was here? The address on was on the problem. farthings. Uh-huh. All right, then. Let me have the coins. I haven't got them. Helen has. Get her first, Lily. Right. That's right. Now open it. Here they are. Where's the third farthing? Bill never sent it. You're lying. They never did, I swear it. I want the third coin. I'm leaving, Baxter. I don't have. I'm going to give you one minute in which to hand over the missing farthing. Just one minute. You're a bad look. You're just one of those unpleasant people. It gives our trade such a bad name. He meant what he said about killing us. No doubt about that. He said one minute, and he he meant one minute. I had to do something. I get myself shot. My back was against the wall, my left shoulder against the light switch. A quick movement with that shoulder, and I switched off the lights. He fired. I stopped at the same time. I came at him from the side and threw him down. He fired again. That one mussed up my hair. I seized his arm with one hand and grabbed his ear with the other and tried to pull it off. 
He kicked at me rather viciously and nearly broke one of my ribs. I lost my hold on his ear and just managed to get his hair. I pulled his head back and banged it against the floor. I had hopes that by the eighth or ninth bang, he'd get discouraged and give up. He didn't. I let go and smashed him on the jaw. His body relaxed for a minute. I seized the gun and jabbed it into his head. Like a good sport, he gave up the struggle. Don't you... Turn the light on, Helen. Now it's your turn to stand against the wall. You too, Lily. You're not going to shoot at Just keep your hands up and maybe I won't. Maybe. Maybe you and I. We can work out... Whose house is this? No one lives here anymore. Used to belong to one of Bill's friends. We... We bought the property. We used it in our deals. He was a composer, just like Bill. Oh, I suppose so. All them music records. Yeah. One whole wall was completely covered with bins for music records. I ran my eye across it and remembered the letter... the letter that Bill wrote to his wife when he sent her the two farthings. He mentioned something about Beethoven piano pieces. And then it hit me. I remembered Beethoven wrote a piano piece called... Fury over a lost farthing. And that's where it was. In the music of Beethoven's piano sonata, of course. The lost farthing. I walked over to the record bins, and then another thing hit me. The police. Again, the police, I was too late. The shots had aroused the neighborhood, naturally. Someone had phoned the cops... Too late. All right, Mr. Lyme, get aboard. Yes, sir. If ever you set foot in England, Mr. Lyme, we'll throw you in prison on sight. Well, I shall make every effort, sir, to have my good name clear. In the meantime, you're being deported. Well, I help capture a notorious criminal. This is my reward. It just goes to prove what I've always said. Franklin was wrong. Franklin? What Franklin? Uh, one of my countrymen officers, first name was Ben. He used to say that honesty is the best policy. Well, if it pleases you to joke... It doesn't please me, officer, and believe me, I'm not laughing. Not a farthing's worth. Goodbye now. You'll hear from me, officer. I'll send you a postcard. <laughs> returns in just a moment. came to an end. I had time on the boat to think it over, it being a fairly long voyage with no passengers who cared to play games of chance with a stranger. I went over my books and couldn't find much of anything that wasn't pretty well in the red. 
My investments were as follows. Beaten up badly once, beaten mildly once, once nearly murdered. Also one flannel suit, practically new, damaged beyond repair. My assets, as I say, were very vague. More conservative businessmen than I put their profits in a bank. My money was in an album of Beethoven records. Of course, I have every hope of getting my money back. Oh, yes, indeed. Some fine day, your Uncle Harry will get back into England by hook or crook. Probably the latter. And then he'll go up to Mr. Beethoven and say, My money, please. I want to make a withdrawal. Yes, friends, you can write down the whole farthing deal as my unfinished symphony. This is OTR Rob. I thought I would step in here just to say that there's a, a lot of noise going on in this episode. I tried to eliminate as much as I could from it, and I think I did pretty well considering uh, what uh, the finished product is. So I just want you to know that uh, I'm trying to present these episodes to you in the best sound quality that we have and to clean up whatever I can with these uh, shows. So I hope that uh, I did what I could, and I hope that you like what I did. And so enjoy this episode of The Saint.
Adventures of the Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charters and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as... The Saint. Would you like some more coffee, madam? No, thank you, Chester. Excuse me, I'll see who's at the door. Coming. Chester. I answered the doorbell, madam. But who is it? No one, madam. It's silly someone rang. Someone rang, madam, but you see, there's no one at the door, no one at all. I suppose it could have been children playing pranks. Perhaps so, madam. Then shut the door. Chester. Yes, madam. At your feet on the doorstep. Oh, well, it seems to be a package of some sort. Pick it up. Yes, madam. Don't give it to me. I'm sorry, Chester, but shut the door. Come along. In here. Now, open that package. Yes, madam. Well, haven't you finished yet? In a moment. There. What is it? You have only to look, madam. What is it? Uh, Nothing important, madam. Only a red rose. A red rose? Mr. Temple, how do you find the roster beef? Very easily. (laughs) You make the joke. You make the joke. I laugh. I laugh for Mrs. Martucci. She's very happy. Oh, who is Mrs. Martucci? That's my wife. Well, I'm glad I make your wife happy. Perhaps when we get around to the dessert, I can make your children happy, too. I've not got the children. Oh, that's too bad. But perhaps by the time we get around to the dessert, I... No, not enough time. However... Mr. Templer, you are maybe expected a lady. Well, I always hope, but uh, what lady? The one that she's over the corner table with very beautiful eyes. Mm, corner table? Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, you're quite right. She has lovely eyes. But I wasn't expecting her, not until Christmas, at any rate. She's a watch you all through the dinner. Mm, perhaps there's something fascinating about the back of my neck. It must be so. Because now the lady she gets up, and where do you think she comes? To this table? Yes. Hmm, well, goodbye, Tony. Huh? Oh, I take it in. So goodbye, Mr. Temple. I beg your pardon. But you are Simon Temple, aren't you? Yes, I am. May I sit down? Of course. <laughs> I'm Laura Kane. How do you do? Would you like something to drink? No, thank you. A drink wouldn't help. Oh, perhaps I could. I'm pretty desperate. And very beautiful. Thank you. But you didn't come to my table to hear me say that. No, Mr. Templer. You see, I know about you. It's probably an exaggeration. You're the saint. Yes, it is an exaggeration. And I need help desperately. Help about what? Mr. Templer. Look. And I think for a couple of reasons you'd better specify what I'm to look at. Oh, at my shoulder. My left shoulder. It's very pretty. There's a red rose pinned to it. That's what I need help about. The rose? And I know very little about flowers, except that they're beautiful and are very often sent to beautiful women. By someone who never sends his name? By someone who sees to it that they're delivered secretly with no word at night? That is rather unusual. It frightens me. Well, perhaps the roses are sent by an admirer of yours, a very shy admirer. I thought that at first, but not anymore. 
No matter how shy a man might be, it's not easy for anyone to sneak into a house night after night, unseen, unheard. It can't be shyness. Well, perhaps not. It takes cunning, determination. There's more, too. Yes. My first husband was killed a number of years ago. The police never found out who killed him. When his body was found, Mr. Templer, there was a red rose pinned to his shoulder. Mr. Templer. Yes? Do you think I'm being hysterical about this? I I mean, am I attaching too much importance to something that might be harmless? I don't know. Too many unknown factors. You married again, didn't you? Yes, to Henry. Last year. Did he know about your first husband? Of course. Your husband's at home? No, which isn't unusual. Oh? He's away most of the time. He likes to travel. Climb mountains and things like that. And you? I don't like climbing mountains much. How about your husband? I don't like him much either. I see. Do you? He's very rich. I suppose in view of your sentiments, he'd have to be. And he is away a lot, so... There are servants? Well, only Chester, the butler. Does he know about the roses? He knows I've been getting them. I don't think he knows about their connection with my first husband, which is just as well. I don't think he admires me. Well, then why do you keep him on? Henry insists. Henry's very much attached to Chester. And Chester makes a good watchdog. This is where I live. Uh, it's a large house. <laughs> You're being kind. It's not only large, it's horrible. It's belonged to Henry's family for hundreds and hundreds of years. I sometimes get the feeling all of them are still living in it, with us. Uh, no lights in the house. No, Chester likes to go to bed early. And he's careful about saving Henry's money as well as his reputation. He always goes about turning lights off. It must make the house a very cheery place. Yes, it does. As cheery as a tomb. I... You know, I'm afraid to go in. Why not ring? Chester wouldn't like being waked. You asked me to come home with you because you were afraid your unknown admirer, the man who's been sending you the roses, might be waiting for you. Well, I could go in alone no, and... I'm being silly. The light switch is to your right, Simon. Right. Anyway, there's no one in the foyer. I'm I'm counting my blessings as they come along. Where are the roses usually left? Sometimes on the doorstep. Mostly, though, in the living room. On a table there. Well, then suppose we try the living room. Yes. Wait, the lamp's right near the door. I'll get it. Nothing on the table. No roses. No roses, but Mrs. Kane. What? On the couch, the far corner. Flowers are there? They never... They... Henry! Stay where you are, Mrs. Kane. Oh, please, Mr. Templer. Please tell me he's all right. I'm afraid I can't, Mrs. Kane. <laughs> yes, yes. There's a knife buried in his chest. He's dead. Oh, no. Henry, Henry, Mr. Templer. Yes, I know, Mrs. Kane. Your husband is holding a red rose. Hey, Mr. Templer, come over here. All right. We uh, want to be alone. 
If I don't break this case, I'm liable to wind up being alone someplace out in Staten Island. A Kane was a very rich boy. Very rich don't like to get murdered. Unlike the poor, you mean. The same difference, except around dumps like this, a cop's got to be careful. Now, look, Templar, we got your story on the babes. Mrs. Kane is a very beautiful and, need I remind you, a very wealthy woman. She's a babe. We got your stories translated. That means we got a couple of pages of nothing. Now, did you happen to know that her first husband got himself knocked off, too? I didn't happen to know. She told me. I suppose maybe that's a mark in her favor, but uh, how do you like the butler, Chester? Well, I, I don't know. I never met him. I mean as a suspect. I never liked butlers as suspects. Old-fashioned. He lives here. Except he don't seem to be living here anymore. Uh, it makes sense to me, whatever it does to you. Now, the thing I'm worried about is, was his disappearance a coincidence? Or would it be because he stuck a knife in the boss? I wouldn't know. Of course, if we figure him for the killing, it would make everybody very happy. Except Chester. Yeah. Well, we'll find him. Well, nothing more to do around here, so I guess I'll pull the boys out and go back to my pinochle game. Hey, you staying on? Mm, for a while. You uh, think the widow needs consolation? Lieutenant, you are a cad. Look, nobody ever confused me with a gentleman. Anybody ever confuse you with a saint? Well, it's nice of you to even consider the possibility. Uh, 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 good night, Temple. All right, boys. Go home. Good night, Simon. I'm still here. It was nice of you to stay, and the police were very nice. Too. Why not get to bed now? Hmm? There's nothing to be done tonight. Simon, do they really think Chester killed my husband? Do you? No. Chester would never have harmed Henry. Well, that leaves Chester with a job on his hands, explaining his disappearance. But that's his problem. I suppose. I am tired, Simon. Well, I'll go. But, Laura... Yes? I don't think he'll show up. I'm not talking about Chester. He? What do you mean? Well, you've been waiting for someone all evening. Every time the front door opened, even though the police were here, you grew tense, expectant. It was fairly obvious, Lon. You're imagining things. All right. Perhaps I... Good night. Good night, Simon. And thanks for everything. Well, I didn't do anything. I wish I could have prevented... I know. Try and get some sleep. I'll phone in the morning. Thank you, Simon. Hi, Mr. Templer. Oh, hello, Joe. Lieutenant left you on guard, huh? Yeah. Me, I'd be happier was I inside. Oh, the weather out here? No, the lady in there. Well, that's life. And practically in the raw, too. <laughs> oh, good night. Good night. Mr. Templer. Mr. Templer. What? Hey, quick, get in the car. Do hurry. Oh, all right. <laughs> of course, I might be walking into the lion's den... Good heavens, do I look like a lion? No, no, much more like a lamb. Uh, so I've been told. Uh, better, much better. What is it? Getting away from that dreadful house. I never could stand the architecture. Deplorable. Yeah, not to mention the policeman out front. Uh, please, that's not. All right. Uh, Mr. Templer, you're quite a detective, aren't you? Well, not exactly a detective. I... But you do detect every once in a while. Uh, don't you? When I can't help myself. Why? Well, you see, I drove up to the house and noticed hordes, but hordes of policemen outside. I'd been expecting to drop in on Laura and, and uh, share a cup of tea with her. Well, champagne would seem to be more in Laura's line. Well, I don't mind a bit of wine myself, you know. However, <laughs> I'm babbling. Uh, what I mean to say is, with all those policemen around, I thought it hardly wise to visit, uh, you know. No. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I've been terribly rude. Uh, my name's Gordon Ashenden. Uh, my friends call me uh, Gordy. Well, I'll try to resist. But you haven't told me yet. Whatever has happened... Where? At dear Laura's, of course. Well, it's dear Henry's, too, you know. What is? Dear Laura's house. Oh. Well, yes, of course. But why think of nasty things? Because they've become even nastier. What on earth are you trying to say? Dear Henry is dead. Well, it's most distressing, of course. But dear Henry is not only dead, he was murdered. Oh, dear. Laura shouldn't have that. Oh, uh, that is... What makes you think Laura did? I, I didn't say. I, I, I do not think that uh, Laura did anything of the sort. I... Oh, I just remembered a terribly important engagement. You will excuse me, won't you? Uh, you can get a cab right at the corner. Oh, yes, of course. Mr. Ashenden. Yes? That engagement you just remembered. What about it? I'd be very careful keeping it. Oh, nonsense. It's a business engagement. It might be the making of me. Perhaps. On the other hand, it might be the death of you. satisfying a morbid curiosity or addicted to practical jokes? I realize it's very late, sir, but I'm Chester, Mr. Templer. Chester? The butler? Yes, sir. The police, I'm afraid, are more interested in you than I am. I don't dare go to them. Why not? They must think I murdered Mr. Kane. Did you? Of course not. Well, then why didn't you stay at the house? Because the murderer was there. The murderer being... I, I didn't see him. I heard Mr. Kane cry out and then horrible sounds. And then I heard steps coming toward me. So you ran? Yes, sir. Well, why have you called me? Because I knew Mrs. Kane had spoken to you about the roses. How did you know that? Well, she... She told me she was going to. Tell you, that is. What do you want me to do? Help me. Prove my innocence. Well, then you'd better come here. Oh, I can't. I'm afraid to leave. Where are you? Mr. Kane had a small hunting lodge. That's where I am. It's on Cressley Road, just across the George Washington Bridge, off Highway 12. I don't dare come into the city, Mr. Templer. Well, I see, but... You've got to help me. I don't want to be murdered. All right, then. I'll be out there as soon as I can. Thank you, sir. Please hurry. I'd like to be alive when you come. Mr. Tampa. Yes, Louis? So you explained everything, but it still don't seem right. In the middle of the night, nobody takes a taxi to New Jersey. But I have. Yeah, that's what bothers me. Also, it's my taxi. You know something? It's dark in New Jersey. Well, that happens in New York, too. Yeah, but it's more like home there. Here, it don't make me feel good. You're not supposed to feel good. We're on our way to help a man whose life may be in danger. Oh, now I feel worse. Look, this butler, Chester. Supposing he killed Mr. Kane himself. So from whom would he be in danger from? But he may not have killed Kane, Louis. So then let him stay in New Jersey. No, no. He was in the house when Kane was murdered. Yeah, but he didn't see the killer, if he's telling the truth. That's right, Louis. except the killer may not know that. This here is the place. Yes. Cabin set back from the road. Come on, let's go. Oh, I, I should have brought my elephants up. If I had elephants up. Mm, but we're not hunting elephants. It could be a lot safer than what we're doing. 
fine enough. Don't complain, Mr. Temple, please. The sounds you're liable to hear out in this wilderness are not sounds I want to hear. No lights in the cabin, man. Well, maybe uh, Chester went to Pennsylvania. <laughs> hey, Mr. Temple, it's a joke. See, there's a town of Pennsylvania called Chester. Yeah. All right, maybe it wasn't a joke. No, he didn't. Yeah. I'd let you hear my piece chatter. You want to knock? Of course. There. Simon Tempter, Chester. Yeah, and Louis. And Louis. Come in, please, quickly. I haven't dared put the lights on in this room. It, it faces the road. Will you come with me? Oh, I shouldn't have had the lights on here in the kitchen either, but I was afraid to wait in the dark. Is anyone likely to suspect you may have come here? I, I don't know. I, I can't even think, Mr. Temple. You're sure you don't know who killed Mr. Kane? No, I don't. If I did, I could have gone to the police and been safe. This way. Chester, Mr. Kane was very wealthy, wasn't he? Yes, sir. And Mrs. Kane? Well, she was married to Mr. Kane, so I meant in her own right. I don't think so, sir. Kane wasn't home very much at the time, was he? No, sir. Why? Well, he wasn't really happy in his marriage. He could have divorced his wife. Well, not Mr. Kane, sir. He couldn't have endured the scandal. I see. Chester, that name you can't think of, the killer's name, could it possibly be Gordon Ashenden? I don't know. What does Mr. Ashenden do besides have tea with Mrs. Kane? He raises flowers, sir. He has a conservatory out on Long Island. Among those flowers, could there possibly be roses? Roses, sir? Yes, you know what they are. Well, of course, sir. So then suppose you answer my question. All right. I should imagine you raised roses, sir. Chester. Yes, sir? I'm having unkind thoughts about you. What do you mean, Mr. Temple? I think, for example, that you know who killed Mr. Kane. Oh, no. I think also that your original intention was to keep quiet about that knowledge until the case had been closed as unsolved. Oh, what? Why would I do a thing like that? It's an ugly word, Chester, but I'm afraid I'll have to use it. Blackmail. Oh, that, that's ridiculous. No. For an innocent man, there's no explanation of your behavior that holds water. I was afraid. Mr. Kane was nice to death. The room in which he died showed no signs of struggle. Therefore, you couldn't have heard the murder. You must have seen it. No, sir. Your I... story about fleeing from mysterious footsteps is childish. According to your own story, you had no way of knowing whose they were, or even who had been killed. An honest man in your circumstances would simply have run out into the street and yelled for help. You didn't. Now, who killed Mr. Kane, I don't know. Or would you prefer dying alongside the murderers an accessory after the fact? Very well, sir. I did see you wait at that window. Chester, you're near the lamp. Turn it off. What? Turn it off. Oh, he, he, he didn't turn it off. No, a bullet hit it for him. Came through that window. We can find the door in this confounded darkness. Yeah, here it is. Oh, oh, there goes a car. Kill his car. We're too late, Louis. Come on, let's go back in. Yeah. There's another lamp around. Louis, strike a match, please. Huh? Okay, Mr. Temple. Yeah. yeah, here it is. Mr. Temple? I know, Louis. Two of the bullets hit him. Oh. Ain't gonna bottle no more, huh? No. Second murder scene in two days, but in this one he played the title role. 
Hey, you know, Mr. Templer and New Jersey cops wasn't bad. You know, if I'd have shut my eyes, I could almost have imagined there was New York cops. Just goes to show you. To show you what? That crossing a river don't change a cop. I'm taking you home? No, Louis. <laughs> Mrs. Kane. If you don't mind. I mind. Look, Mr. Templer, maybe she's beautiful. But right now, I could easily sprain even Helen of Troy. And from what I hear from the boys, she was the all-time tomato. You hear right. How do you know? You was around while she was still on the vine? Louis. Yeah? We're passing Mrs. Kane's house. Oh! Oh, there's a cop outside the house. Oh, so there is. Wait for me, Louis. I'll wait. Hey, you! Oh, well, Mr. Templer. Hello again, Joe. Like to see Mrs. Kane. Uh, so would I. I. I mean, at this hour? Well, does she turn invisible at certain hours? Oh, how do I know she wants to see you? Well, you might try asking her. Okay, you wait here. Why? Well, that way I get to see her, too. Hey, you know something? I'm afraid I do. She's gone. That's right, but how... Did I know? I guess. You shouldn't have ducked out. I'm supposed to protect you. Hey, hey, Mr. Templer, where are you going? Believe it or not, Joe, I'm going to pick a few flowers. That would be the greenhouses over there. He ain't interested in flowers. Over this way, a small house where Gordon lives, I should think. Hey, there's a light on. Yeah. Well, now let's see how quietly I can open the door. Very quietly, but very bad manners. Maybe it is. Oh, don't we mind you. Hey, Mr. Templer, I know. What will they think when they find out you did? I was here on No, Gordy, because when I got here, I stopped and touched the hood of your car. It was hot. Well, I, I didn't rest. Please come down off your drive. Where to, Gordy? What have you seen over to the door, Laura? What difference does it make where I do? I haven't just become rich because of the murder. As I have. I'll prove. And not for the first time. You knew about my first husband? And the roses? I knew, my dear. And you must be standing on. Giving up flower growing and helping you bear the burden of your great wealth? Mm-hmm. To the idea. This is where we come in, Louis. Good evening. Simon! What the devil do you mean by... By not knocking, intruding, eavesdropping? I'm a cad. You'll never hear me call you Gordy. Better let go of Laura. All right. You can be so heroic about it. As a matter of fact, I'm here merely to give you a message. Really? From whom? Chester. Simon, the police have found him. He's in their hands at the moment. Simon, the police won't treat him badly, will they? Because he didn't kill Henry. He didn't kill Henry, and the police won't treat him badly. You see, he's dead. Oh, no. Poor old chap. You lack conviction, Miss Ashby. I lack conviction. After all, what is Chester to me? More than you realize, perhaps. 
You see, he was shot to death in front of Louis and me. He had been in the house when Henry Kane was murdered. He knew who the murderer was. I still like him. You certainly. Before he died, Chester passed that name on to me. He did? He did. Is that why you're waving a gun about? I just want to be sure. Listen, I don't care what Chester said. If he told you I murdered Kane, he, he, he was lying. That's it. Lying. Gordon, please, put that gun away. No, Gordon, don't put the gun away. But stop pointing it at me. You might try another direction until the police arrive. Other direction? Who's Mrs. Kane's, of course. You see, she happens to have killed both her husband and Chester. Simon! Oh, dear. Oh, my. And for oh. heaven's sakes, don't faint till later. So in the middle of the night, we're sitting in a restaurant. This adds up. It certainly does. Laura Kane interrupted me earlier tonight, and I never got to the dessert. <laughs> hey, Mr. Temple, I know the cops are locked Mrs. Kane up, which personally I think is a waste on account of how she looks. But look, I can't believe she killed her husband in the bucket. She did, Louie. Yeah, I'd like to ask you how you know. Only I don't want to stay here till breakfast. It's very simple, Louie. Yeah. Her motive is obvious. She was afraid Kane might divorce her. Therefore, she killed him and hoped to inherit his money. Uh-huh. And the roses? An attempt, and rather a clever one, to direct suspicion at Gordon. She even put on an act with Chester about the roses. Ordinarily, if Chester hadn't decided blackmailing her would be more fun, he'd have testified about the roses routine and helped convict Gordon. Yeah, 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 but how? Now, excuse me, but I think any minute the sun is going to rise. How did you know? Whoever murdered Chester had been eavesdropping and knew that Chester hadn't been given the opportunity to tell us the murderer's name. Yet when I suggested Chester had told uh -huh. him... Aha, Gordon got scared and started waving a gun. So you knew he was innocent, and that left Mrs. Kent. A lady whose love was not at all like a red, red rose. You have been listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now, here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen... All of us who live in the United States are aware of the material values of American life, our factories and machines and luxuries. But there is another side to American life, a side made up of spiritual values. Our country was founded upon faith in God. In the Declaration of Independence, it states that men were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Thus, religious faith is part of the very foundation of American democracy, and one of our most precious national heritages is freedom of worship. Without faith, the family and the community become unstable. Without faith, the individual denies himself the peace and guidance of religion. The doors of your churches and synagogues are open to you. The freedom to worship as you please is yours. And so America's religious organizations invite you to find yourself through faith and to come to church this week. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the same. Good night.
This script of the same was written by Louis Vitti. In our cast, you heard Larry Dobkin as Louis and Mary Ship as Laura. Ted Osborne played Gordon, Lou Krugman, the waiter. The cop was played by Bonnie Phillips and Chester Jack Moore. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charter, is a James L. Sapir production and is directed by Helen Mack. Read Vincent Price's favorite story of the month in the current issue of Front Page Detective. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is John Stanton. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Later today, hear the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show for music, song, and laughs with Phil, Alice, Frankie, and Julius. Enjoy the very best in radio. Be sure that you dial and write. Like the very best in radio. Morning, noon, and night is from this station. Morning, noon, and night, NBC. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. There was a man with a bad heart. A telephone number scribbled on a cash register receipt and a corpse on the other side of town. But I couldn't see the connection between them until I realized that they were all tied together by the same long rope worth $30,000. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character as CBS presents... The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. And now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Long Rope. finally wound up a sour case in which I'd been kicked around, disillusioned, and short-changed. And in my book, a routine like that calls for relaxation. So I'd spent the morning sleeping and the afternoon in a Turkish bath, being worked over on the table by Nick Takalakis, a non-talking masseur who untied knots in more muscles than I thought I had. He was trying to tear loose my Achilles tendon when the phone rang. It was for me. Nick wouldn't let me up, so I took it lying down. Yeah? Marlowe speaking. My name is Sidney Vanetta, Mr. Marlowe. I've tried all afternoon to reach you. Oh? Nick, what can I do for you, Mr. Vanetta? I've already made your reservation with American Airlines. You're leaving on the 10 o'clock plane tonight, and you're taking with you a set of pearls for a certain buyer in Chicago. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Vanetta. Maybe I can... No, maybe, Marlowe. I've checked thoroughly on you and find you entirely qualified, which is important because... The pearls are perfectly matched, set in a rope valued at about $30,000. The buyer wants them, and I made up my mind just this morning to sell. The proceeds will go to my niece. Lucky girl. Indeed she is, particularly since I have no respect for her as a woman. She presumes to be a sculptress of all things, but she's my only heir. I'm selling the pearls simply because I know she would, and I can get more for them. Yeah, I... Oh, hey, Nick, wait a minute, will you? Why all the hurry, Mr. Vanetta? First, the buyer is leaving Chicago tomorrow. Second, my heart may fail me at any moment. That's the hurry, Mr. Marlowe. I see. Well, I'll take the job, uh, conditionally. 
But suppose I come out and talk with you. Telephones are deceptive. Very well. Come to 7241 Adams, just below Western. I'll expect you in an hour at 6, sharp. Side door will be open, so let yourself in. Sounds like you're alone out there. I am. I just fired my nurse, a Miss Drew, and as stupid a woman as the earth was ever cursed. <coughs> well, I shouldn't get excited about it. I've engaged a new one due here at 5.30, but who will no doubt be late. So as I say, Marlowe, when you get here, just let yourself in. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, Nick, you better hurry it up. I gotta see a man about a rope worth 30 grand. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A rope worth $30,000. <laughs> Benetta's place on Adams was a big, fancy, and dirty gray place. Forty years ago, it had been a proud, expensive house.